Welcome back to Documentary First, an inside look at a documentary filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Jason Rugg, joined, as always, by our documentary filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hello, Jason Rugg. How are you? Good. Glad to be here. How are you? Good. Good, good. Really glad to see you. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. We, we didn't just spend all day yesterday together <laughs> or anything. <laughs> no, actually, we did spend all day yesterday. For those of you that know the Holy Post, uh, the Holy Post podcast has a new CEO, and we did a retreat the past two days. And so, uh, Jason, it was awesome to be with you for an entire day and a half. And I'm also a, a massive introvert, so I am just totally burned out <laughs> from, from two days of people. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of people, totally. And that laugh you're hearing is Robbie Davis joining us once again. Good to be back. Hey, Robbie, good to, to see you, you. I was not at the Holy Post uh, conference, so it's it's good to see the two of you. It's yeah, been it's a while. Been a while. <laughs> I was just uh, saying before our podcast recording crashed, <laughs> this is now take two, uh, that we uh, skipped a week uh, because I was out during the Thanksgiving holiday and um, really just couldn't pull it off. We re-released an episode, as many of you know. So uh, we do have a lot to catch everybody up on, um, but, you know, just wanted to make sure you guys were good. Uh, you had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We, um, I got to see almost every single person on one side of my family. I got to see like 28 people. That's a lot <laughs> of people missed, like, in a family. One, one cousin, his wife and, and their baby. So like the, they were the only ones who like we missed. We got almost everybody else. Wow. That's awesome. What about you, Robbie? Oh, yeah. So we uh, drove over to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I have grandparents and aunt and uncle. And uh, similarly, we were missing one cousin and her husband and their kids. Uh, but my oh, parents drove up from Florida. Maybe maybe it's the same maybe. one. <laughs> well, uh, that would make, that'd either make us the same person or we miss each other all Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> but it was good. Our, our uh, six-month-old had sweet potatoes for the first time and smoked turkey, which she loved, uh, which is I'm like, should we give our six months? Sure, why not? It's Thanksgiving. Uh, but it was, it was great. It was, it was a really good time with everyone. That's awesome. Fantastic. All right, Jason Rugg, uh, you got the outline for today. What's up first? Yeah, so we actually have not really talked too much about this uh, this new outline. We have we have a new segment. You want to do like a news segment first? Yeah, well, into... it may be the only time we do this news segment, but, uh, <laughs> the but first I have some news. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk about is uh, yesterday, President uh, French President Emmanuel Macron landed in the United States. He did a state dinner with uh, Biden. And why do I care about this? Well, of course, you know, I love the French people and uh, my movie is dedicated to them, obviously. Uh, but there was a really interesting thing that happened. And our movie, in my opinion, is responsible for this. Um, and that is that Virginie Durr, who is the Normandy native that works for Delta Airlines, who originally saw our film at the Beaufort Film Festival and then like helped vault it to prominence where it ended up on Delta Airlines and Air France and uh, then became, um, you know, a charter to take 29 World War II veterans over to Normandy. Um, and because of all of that work, um, she's now become, you know, a champion of these World War II veterans and, uh, 
somehow she ended up on um, the roster, the short list of people to be with a veteran getting the French Croix de Guerre, which is the highest medal that the French government gives out um, at the White House yesterday. Um, she was able to be there as this uh, World War II veteran got his medal and meet the French president. Uh, and it's just <laughs> crazy because, cool. I mean, Virginia is quite the capable person. She can just about make anything happen. But um, and she was already like serving and loving veterans and things like that. But I just think um, our film was the genesis of this partnership between Delta and the Girl Who Wore Freedom and the Best Defense Foundation. And so she ends up with the French president and the president of the United States helping celebrate a World War II veteran. So I just couldn't be prouder for her. I couldn't be prouder for our film. Uh, it just goes to show that uh, this film is the power to move people and bless people. And I'm incredibly honored by that. News story number two, and this is hot off the presses. It just happened this morning. Uh, as you all know, I have two sons in the military. My second son, Jonah Taylor, was stationed uh, in Germany. We've heard, we've talked about him a lot. Um, and now he is being reassigned to the 101st Airborne Division in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And the last podcast, I talked about meeting him in uh, BWI Airport and him going to be a part of the French embassy screening that we had. And that did happen. And we'll talk more about that in the update uh, section of the podcast. But uh, this, after all of that happened, the screening and everything, I went with Jonah to help him get uh, set up in Fort Campbell. There's a lot that has to happen when soldiers in process. And I learned so much about this. But basically, they get shipped to a new base. And... This is hilarious. It kind of reminds me of what happens in the first few weeks of school where like your teachers aren't 100 percent sure you're going to be paying attention or they don't really know what's going to happen in a day because there's all these other like things that you have to get done with school, like going to, you know, like presentations and blah, blah, blah. And that's like how it is when a soldier ends up in a new unit. They start what's called in-processing. And in my mind, I always thought that that was they go into this big room and they're kind of checked in and they go through medical stuff and they're handed their new uniforms and, you know, maybe it was a day. But basically what happens is the soldiers show up at a new base and if they don't have anywhere to go or stay, they're just slotted in these like big barracks rooms, like nobody gets their own space. It's back like being in basic training, but at least you have somewhere to stay. And then you have a schedule and it all starts with, OK, we're going to do exercise every morning. So everybody's got to be at PT at 6 a.m. And then um, you can shower and get dressed. And then we've got all these briefings. And so basically, they're just trying to keep these soldiers busy. So they're not like, I don't know, getting into trouble. And they'll give them these briefs. And a brief is everything from like the most the one that they do over and over again is called a sharp brief. And that is um, basically um, how to uh, not be involved in, in a, any sexual harassment or anything like that. It's an important brief to give. Um, and there's other ones like there was one brief he sat through, which was do not buy a car at 22 percent interest, <laughs> because one of the big things soldiers do is they move somewhere. They buy cars right away. They don't really understand their finances uh, when they're young. And so they just it's just brief after brief. And then what happens if 
like typically it's 20 or 30 soldiers in processing at a unit at a time. Well, when Jonah ended up there, the first day it was 300 and the second day it was 500. So imagine 500 people showing up who've just come from somewhere else. They don't know where they're living. They don't know what unit they're in. So they put them in this like temporary unit while they're just trying to get acclimated to this new base, new town, new people, and while their papers are being processed to find out where they land. And so sometimes, like Jonah has sent through every day, they have to sit in more briefs. And there's only a limited number of briefs that they can sit through. So they have to do the same ones like three and four times over the course of the week. I feel so sorry for them. Um, But today, Jonah finally got assigned to his unit. And again, I have to thank the girl who wore freedom for what I'm about to tell you. But in Normandy, Dick Winters, or nephew, cousin, something, I don't, it's unclear exactly what the relationship is, but Dick Winters has a cousin, let's say, by, you know, twice removed, whose name is Dick Winters. And he also was a, in the um, 101st Airborne Division and was a paratrooper and, uh, and, you know, is a cranky old, crusty old, you know, soldier, but he's awesome. I love him. And uh, he, told me once that none of the rules apply in Normandy. And what that means is when the military goes over there and they're part of all of these celebrations, you know, there's this normal chain of command where everything happens in a certain way. And But over there in Normandy, kind of all bets are off. Like everything, everybody talks to everybody. Anybody can kind of do what they want. I mean, of course, there's loose rule. I mean, like there are rules. But anyway, so this summer, I met General J.P. McGee who is the entire general of all the 101st Airborne Division. And I also then, the following September, I went to the Market Garden ceremonies, which is a lot of the same people celebrating what happened in Market Garden um, and commemorating those that were lost. And during that, I met Colonel Kevin Sharp, who is the commander of the 1st Brigade of the 101st Airborne Division. So these gentlemen are now my friends. I can call them up and say, hey, are you in town? I'm in town. Let's get together. And so that's what happened. Um, and when I met with Colonel Sharp in Holland last year, he's like, hey, yeah, if your boy's coming to the 101st, let me know. We'll get him in the 1st Brigade. And so anyway, I did meet with him and they did try to, they worked it out. So Jonah is now in the 1st Brigade, but even better, he calls me this morning and says, mom, I'm in the 1327th. I was like, that name rings a bell. What is the 327th? And I looked it up. And the 327th is the 327th Glider Infantry Regiment. They were started in World War I, but they like earned their wings and came to prominence in World War II because that's where the gliders were first used. And if you don't know what the gliders are, they are basically like a paper airplane that, you know, has no engine and is towed behind a, you know, C-47 and the rope is cut and then like, you know, Good luck to you wherever you land. They also can break apart really easily. Um, anyway, the 327th Glider Infantry Regiment, um, they like glided into Normandy the night between June 5th and 6th. But they also, the rest of them, landed on Utah Beach. And the ones that were gliders, they landed right in St. Marie-Dumont, where is where Danny lived. 
And there was one general, General Pratt, who got permission to fly in with the 327th. And um, he ended up being killed that day. Um, He was in a glider that actually landed, but then it skidded on wet grass. He was in a Jeep and um, he was sitting in the Jeep that was in the glider, which was not locked down. And so that Jeep like slid forward and he got whiplash and his neck was broken. And that was that. So tragic. Um, So anyway, Jonah is in this unit now. This unit also happens to be the unit that made the first inroads into liber- liberating Carenton in the Battle of Carenton, which, believe it or not, was one of the scenes that we shot this past June. So Tech Sergeant Don Rich carried a bazooka along the Douve River and was one of the very first people to penetrate the town of Carenton. And so my mind was just swirling this morning as I was putting these pieces together and realized that Hunter's unit, the 1506, was in our first film. And now Jonah's unit is going to be mentioned in our second film, Wow! which is just crazy. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. So that's your hot news for the day. (laughs) He was super excited. He's like, well, now, Mom, you got to put me in your movie. (laughs) <laughs> I don't quite know how I'm going to make that happen, but um, yeah, but we'll see. So, so that was, yeah, that's your news for the day. Wow. That's very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, all right. Um, do we want to roll into updates about documentary first? Oh yeah. goodness. That's just more of me talking. I mean, let's, <laughs> I'm sure people don't want to hear me talk anymore. Yeah, that's definitely why if you'd like the i could just yeah i could just interject <laughs> randomly i don't know if it's what people want but i mean it, it'll break things up yeah just well like, it's always helpful interrupt me at any time just like, uh, roll a thesaurus and just like pick a word and just like <laughs> all right well what are i made an update list jason what's on that update list yeah, yeah so the first thing we want to hear about is your the french embassy screen All right. So uh, we'll go back to that. So the French embassy screening was created by a guy named Denise Chazelle. And to show you kind of how everything works, um, Virginie Durr, again, um, is always trying to figure out how to get more people to see this movie. Because when I met her, she was the one that was just always telling people how much French people loved Americans and were grateful for their freedom. But like I said, um, you know, in the last one, she just didn't have a megaphone to do that. Well, n- thanks to Delta and the partners that she has, she is able to use the film to bring people together and educate them at the same time. So this past spring, when I had Danny and Flo with me, one of the things she did is Airbus, who is a client of Delta, um, Airbus held the screening at the Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C., and Virginia invited Denise Chazelle, who is the head of the French-American Chamber of Commerce, which is a business organization that seeks to advance the interests of American and French businesses and make connections between them. And um, when he saw how amazing the response was to the film and, and the film itself, he's like, we have got to do this at the French embassy. So His office, I think, is at the French Embassy, and he made this event happen. This was the first time that I had an entire French audience um, in the United States that I could show this film to. Super, super humbling and exciting for me. 
And when, um, you know, I showed up there, I was um, with Jonah, you know, in uniform. So super proud mom. Everybody was excited to talk to him. The other thing that was really meaningful for me is I've talked to you before about how my husband lost his brother a few weeks ago. Um, His widow and my little niece were also able to be there because they live in that area. So that was special. And then uh, Donnie Edwards of the Best Defense Foundation was able to join us as well as Virginie Durr. And it was just this, um, they had a beautiful reception, uh, French reception before with Normandy cider and Normandy cookies and, uh, you know, like a a charcuterie board uh, thing. It was just very French. Uh, All the while, um, or all amidst this photo display of photos from Princess Grace and all of these celebrities in Monaco. So it was like in the 50s and the 60s, and the photography uh, exhibit was just stunning. So it it just felt very special to be in this place. And the film was, of course, very warmly received. Uh, The ambassador was not able to be there, but the deputy ambassador was. And she had flown on an Air France plane and just randomly seen the film before So she just was like, you know, just loved it. So that was amazing. Um, We had uh, we were hoping to sell a lot of books and DVDs, but I shipped books there that never arrived. So that didn't really happen. Uh, But the great thing was we were able to tell everybody that we were now on Amazon and Apple TV. Uh, I met a lot of really interesting people that were in the French government uh, that want to talk to me more about their stories. I met someone whose husband was with the CIA and he has this incredible spy story that she's like, this would make a great movie. Like this happens to me everywhere <laughs> I go. I've got this great idea for a film. I'm like, yeah, bring it on. And do you have the funding? Because this would be great. Uh, so that was interesting. And then I'm so happy to say this, the former mayor of um, of Alexandria, Virginia, She was there, loved the film, and happened to be going to Normandy the next week. And so I connected her with Flo Plana and Thomas Voisson and their significant others in hopes that they could do a tour together. But they had already kind of closed down their touring businesses for the winter. However, our co-producer, Michelle Coupe, was able to connect with her and take her on a tour that day. So again, our film is still connecting French-American people, teaching history. That just gives me such incredible pride. So uh, that's the French Embassy screening update. Awesome. Well, I'll take the next one. Uh, break things up, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, the next, next one, uh, the partnership with uh, the BDF. Yeah. So one of the things that we discovered when we were doing these little um, Veterans Day tours, uh, Donnie Edwards of Best Defense Foundation, Delta, and David Chapman of Michelin, we were all kind of together in three different events, one for UPS, one for Delta, and one for the French Embassy. And really what we saw is this great story developed because now we've told the story three times. And the story goes like this, you know, I first met David Chapman. He was with the French Embassy, but now he is with Michelin. Then I met Virginie Durr, and Michelin happens to be a client of Delta. So now they come together, and the three of us have done events. And then in order for Delta to do this charter, they had to make connections with um, someone that helps World War II veterans, which happened to be the Best Defense Foundation. And so um, it's just it's so incredible because our movie calls people to do more than just say thank you for your service. 
And now Michelin, Delta, and Best Defense Foundation are beautiful examples of how, uh, how people do that. And so us traveling together with that message is super powerful. Uh, and it really encourages people to get involved, whether it's to volunteer for Best Defense Foundation or other veterans causes. So now uh, we, at this Delta event that we went to for Veterans Day, uh, the president of Delta was there and they were super proud of showcasing uh, what they had done in June by taking the 29 World War II veterans back to Normandy. And he made a commitment um, to do two more years of chartered flights to go over to Normandy, which is super exciting because we, our yeah, veterans right. may only make it about two more years. Um, this year, this, the 23rd, uh, 2023 will be the 79th uh, anniversary of D-Day and the, um, you know, the 2024 will be the 80th. So that's exciting because now um, we're going to be involved in in that and hopefully Delta will continue to fly our film on the plane at least for, you know, the first six months of each of those years. Uh, and I um, am thinking that I may even volunteer with the Best Defense Foundation to be able to actually help the World War II veterans. So I have a call with them tomorrow to see if I can do that. Um, but but yeah, um, we are trying to find more ways that we can partner with the Best Defense Foundation to help them raise money to bring these World War II veterans back. So I'm excited to see where that's going to go. Well, that's awesome. And it's so cool to just keep seeing this. Yeah. This just keeps rolling and just keeps bringing yeah. people together. And yeah, yeah it's just so great. It's but I have to tell you, Part of me steps back and it is very unusual. Like this film really released in 2020 in the film festival world. And here we are at 2022, almost 2023. Like there's not a legs that a lot of films have <laughs> after their release yeah. for the first year, right? They kind of live in, I don't know, online world. I think we're super fortunate. Uh, to be able to do this. And I do think that when documentary filmmakers are thinking about uh, their films, if you have an evergreen topic that constantly comes back up, I think it's super for the life of the film because that's that's what's happening in this case. There's always, uh, you know, a Veterans Day, Memorial Day, D-Day, Fourth of July, where the film can be shared and people can be brought together to see it. Um, yeah. yeah, so... I think that served us well as a film. Yeah. Um, Very cool. So, so the next thing you want to talk about, uh, according to the outline you worked up here, is meetings with the 101st. Right. I haven't heard anything So about like I told you, I was uh, helping Jonah get situated. And because of my, um, you know, Normandy and Market Garden celebration experiences, I wanted to just see my friends. Uh, and so I called up General McGee or I emailed General McGee and I was like, hey, are you are you in town? I'd love to see you. And he's like, no, I actually am working. Um, I'm over in Poland. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're probably busy. Can't even believe you're answering my email. Um, but yeah, the 101st Airborne Division, for people that don't know, is the most deploy deployed um, division in the entire army. So they're always going off to different places. And currently right now they are supporting this uh, Ukraine during this Ukraine-Russia, um, well, this unprovoked 
uh, attack on Ukraine by Russia. So uh, we're thankful to our soldiers who are over there. I know that they're doing nine-month deployments at a time. So in Fort Campbell, I think there's like five divisions that are there. And so they'll take nine-month um, windows where they just do these rotations. And um, actually, the first division that Jonah is in is slotted to go next. So that'll be interesting to see if he goes. Uh, so he said, anyway, I'm over in Poland, uh, but my... Um, my one star, General John Lubis, is sort of in my place and holding down the fort, and he'll he'd love to see you. So I had met John Lubis f- through email, and I was really going there to see. Um, we had been talking to them about having the early war freedom integrated somehow into Fort Campbell and their programs there. And initially, they sort of passed me down the chain till I eventually got to civilians that were sort of running these things. And it just kind of dwindled. Nobody really did anything about it. So I wanted to figure out what we could do to jumpstart this again. And, you know, I really met with the right people. They were so excited to be able to um, to support this film. They had seen it and they talked about maybe integrating it into their in-processing. You know, all those briefs I told you earlier that Jonah had to sit through. Maybe if there was the film there, that would be one less one that they had to repeat. Mm -hmm. So uh, it could be integrated into their in-processing stuff. Uh, But they also talked about putting it in the Week of the Eagles. And the Week of the Eagles is a big event that they do at Fort Campbell just to celebrate the division. And uh, it's near the end of May and or before Memorial Week. And Families and friends come and they have all sorts of events that celebrate the division. So uh, they thought about showcasing that, uh, maybe doing an outside viewing somewhere or something like that. So that was exciting to meet with them and just make that connection. We connected with uh, with Major Danny Matthews, who is the public affairs officer there. And he even has some ideas for doing some, uh, you know, films with us in a partnership with us. So excited for that. We'll see where that goes. And then, um, you know, I met with Colonel Kevin Sharp, like I said before, and we talked about the possibility of sending the film over to the troops in Poland so that while they're waiting around, you know, they're always needing entertainment. And so we're looking into that option of sending the film over there for them to see it while they're, you know, on their downtime. So that was exciting. Very cool. All right. Uh, Next up, we have a sales update. Yeah. So right now, all of our sales that are happening are happening, most of them are happening through Amazon, Apple TV, Vudu, YouTube, Google Play. Uh, But we are still, believe it or not, selling DVDs. And it just ceases, never ceases to amaze me. But Um, uh, there are still... (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you. What is a DVD? I just bought a DVD for the first time in like, 15 years <laughs> the other day it just arrived because there there was there's an obscure movie that i wanted to see and the only way that you could see it was by buying a disc still they don't even have it on blu-ray or anything it's like <laughs> from the yep, i've done that before yeah it's it's really yeah. weird it's like it's not anywhere i want to i want to watch this i want to give you money to watch this and i can't buy it unless i buy a disc <laughs> so people still well, do where, it even young what people. is this what is this obscure movie yeah so now I actually, I have it. It just came like yesterday. Uh, it's Bob Roberts. If you've ever heard of that movie, it was, I think it's a no. related to SNL or something. It's, it's related to a movie that I, I might be uh, working on um, in some way there. It's, it's a comparison type of thing. It's, 
you know, people talk about this movie in comparison to what this other movie. So it's a weird mockumentary about a folk singer who become who starts running for I don't remember if he runs for president or if he runs for Senate or Congress or something. He's and he's singing songs that are really, you know, dumb about like wanting to win and that sort of thing. People are like, <laughs> yeah, we want to win <laughs> that sort of thing. So I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet, but um, yeah, it's an actual DVD, you know, <laughs> Wow, look at it's that. Kind of <laughs> That's weird. Kind of bizarre. <laughs> the, the one I did it for was a mockumentary too. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It's called Pittsburgh with Gold, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Hmm. It's really weird. The plot is like he goes back to Pittsburgh to be uh star in The Music Man at a, a famous Pittsburgh. I think it's the Benedum Theater in Pittsburgh. Um, and it follows Jeff Goldblum around Pittsburgh. Like and this is back in the early 2000s before like there was a renaissance. And like Pittsburgh was the butt of the joke, um, <laughs> but it, it's a pretty funny movie. Huh. But anyway, awesome. now, now back to the, back yeah, to yeah. the actual DVD sales. Yeah, I just I just want to understand how do you plan to watch that, Jason? I have a PlayStation Four, which has mm. a disc drive in it. Because otherwise, uh. I would probably have to like hook up my parents. DVD player or something like that, like you know, borrow something. I don't Do know. you go to an antique store yeah. to find a DVD player? <laughs> These days, I don't know. Yeah, no. it's interesting because um, I'm just stunned at how many people still own DVD players, um, but they I do. And uh, you do? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a Blu-ray DVD combo, but yeah. Oh. Yeah, so we're still selling those. I'm incredibly grateful for that. Um, I have a new DVD um, manufacturer, however, and they are um, they seem to be doing making a superior product for less money. How I do not know, but um, we are waiting. I need my graphic arts um, maven to be able to free up her time to uh, do a DVD cover for us. And as soon as we have a new DVD cover. Um, then we will kind of get these new DVDs out there. But um, as of now, we're still selling them. We're thankful for that. Uh, and the other sales we have every now and then now, we are still having sales from Gumroad on our website. Uh, so people are still streaming it from Gumroad. They're still buying DVDs. Um, and, you know, those things we immediately say revenue for, like within the month. Um, I have no idea when we'll ever see revenue from <laughs> Uh, Amazon and you know all those other places I named. I'll let you know. <laughs> well, all right. So related to sales, we also have an update about Patreon. Yes. So all of you Patreon peeps out there, it's been uh, pretty silent on our end, basically because you can tell I'm having a super staff shortage, and uh, I've been traveling so much. So. I haven't forgotten about you, uh, and I will be. I'm going to be at home now for quite a while, so uh, I will be reengaging there. Uh, Please do not quit supporting us. We really, really need your help still, and um, I'm so thankful for you. So, uh, James, I just want to let you know I'm encountering a staff shortage, so I don't really have anybody to work on the video you asked me for yet, but I will get it done as soon as I can. So, hang in there. Um, all right, yeah. So that's the Patreon update. Is there anything else on that list? Well, we already talked about the new DVDs. Yep. So now we got the uh, Karen Tom Project update. 
Oh, yeah, this is exciting because uh, today Michelle Coupe gave us another interview. This was Olivia or Olivier. Um, I forget his last name at the moment, but Mr. Olivier is the historian for the town of Carenton. And so we were super happy to have his interview where we could read it. And now we really only have one more left. And that is a Frenchman that was alive, um, a Carenton resident that was alive during um, the Battle of Carenton. So um, now we are getting really close to being able to write the finalized version of the sizzle real script. And um, I'm really hoping that by January we'll be able to to start that editing part. So that's really exciting. It's taken us a long time to get here. But again, because most of my staff is volunteer, things just take a lot longer. Um, yeah, but I'm excited about that. That's where we are with Carenton. Oh, all right. Um, and then one last thing about the Brave Dutch. What's going on with the Brave Dutch? Yeah. The ba- Brave Dutch is still happening. We're trying to update our website. Uh, we are, uh, Zach is still working on the pilot. So it's still out there and happening. I did at the um, at this last little go round in November, I went to a gala with Delta uh, at the French American Chamber of Commerce in Atlanta. And there was a Dutchman there who I met and was super interested in our content who may have connections to help us with funding. Um, I, there was one person that I was going to approach for funding, but um, that was in Holland. And unfortunately, I heard he's been arrested. So I think that's a dead end. Oh, whoop. Uh, that's a little. <laughs> well, I mean, little... if they didn't freeze his assets, you know, <laughs> never know. Yeah, I was really hoping for that guy. So that uh, that was quite a disappointment. Um, <laughs> Probably but, you know, too. better safe than sorry. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because uh, it did have something, I think, to do with money. So <clears throat> I guess I dodged a bullet. I can look at it that way. Yeah. So. <laughs> Getting tied up in international <laughs> money laundering or something. Who knows? <laughs> that would be not good for me. No. I mean, it's one way to get the word out there, though, about the project. I mean, it's not <laughs> the best way, but it is a way. Any publicity true. is good publicity. Very true. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then our last thing is actually Robbie's news. Ah, yes, Robbie. Time for your <laughs> yes, news. Indeed. Oh, man, I was dreading this part. Can we just like stretch the podcast longer and like not <laughs> not end it? Just keep going and going. We could uh, do documentation. <laughs> we would come back to this. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, we've already we've already uh, broken the seal. It's true. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, very, you know, Briefly, is right now I mentioned our our six year old daughter, which um, six month old. I, yeah. She's not six months. She grew Sorry. like five yes. and a half years <laughs> in a very time. Yes, yes, six month. Um, and believe it or not, parenting isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> um, no, but I mean that that's added just all the the craziness and beautiful craziness. I'll add uh, to life that that adds. Um, and then there's just craziness with work too. Um, and I've kind of been hit with the realization and my, my wife told me this, like I said, she's like, you do realize you're not in college anymore. She's like, she's like, you can't like stay up till 3am and do it. And I was like, I was like, yeah, but I'd love to do that. Um, and she's like, yeah, but you, you can't. And I was like, man, probably right. 
Um, and so unfortunately for the time being, um, I will have to step back, uh, from my duties here. It's, uh, it's with a very heavy heart. Um, just ask Christian. I sent, I sent about like three or four messages before she could, like, I was planning on having a phone conversation and I was like, Hey, can we talk? And you're like, Oh no, don't tell me that it's coming. And then I like fired off a rapid response. Is like, it is. And I'm sorry. And it is. Yeah. I've been through this too many times than I care to count. I mean, I really well, can. Uh, people come to this project um, and are really passionate about it and really want to help. But at the end of the day, it really is work, and it takes time. And work takes time. And when you already have a, a life that's full of stuff, uh, it, it quickly becomes clear that it's not really feasible if you're not being paid. And I just accept that. I understand that. And sometimes people's schedules allow for it, and sometimes they don't. And we were just delighted for the time that you're here. It just makes me so happy to get to know you. Um, hopefully one day you will be able to come back and work together oh, I would, again. I would love to. I, I really like this is this is very much a I'm realize I'm in this vortex. And once the vortex, once I fly out of the vortex, you know, like it'll be great. But like at the moment, it's just great. Like I. <laughs> Without getting into too much detail, it's just crazy. It is just yeah. Like I need to well, be we understand. It's, yeah. it's also the holiday time, and um, we wish you wish you well, and we will keep in touch with you for sure. Um, thank you for everything you've contributed to the podcast. Um, along with that, I have another update. Um, I did, of course, reach back out to uh, our trusty, dusty old co-host Josh Lindsay, <laughs> uh, hoping that he may have. Um, you know, his time may have freed up and that he might have had uh, the ability to come back and join us, but he's not able to come back and join us either. So as of now, it looks like it's going to be Jason Rugg and I uh, holding down the fort and uh, we're going to kind of figure out where we're going from here. Hopefully you podcast listeners won't abandon us altogether because uh, we really appreciate you being here. We love doing this and we hope you care about our story as much as we do. Uh, so anyway, thank you, Robbie. We appreciate yeah. what you've done for no. us. Thank you. you. A, you I a, really. You made a big impact in the short time that you were here. We really oh, have yeah. appreciated you. Oh, thank sure. you. I appreciate that. Jason, you're staying, right? I mean, I don't want to assume uh, anything. But. Well, I was going to send you a message, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. I'm still here. I'm still here. At this point, if I left, I don't know what you would do. So <laughs> I think I'm, yeah. I'm stuck. You have to close the podcast, I think. <laughs> Even if I wanted to, I don't think I could. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to, to be clear. Good. All right. So what's next? Uh, DocuView Deja Vu. <gasps> now it's time for our new segment, DocuView Deja Vu. DocuView Which we've been doing for like six All right. Uh, Jason, do you need a pass this week? Yeah, I haven't actually had time to watch pretty much anything. <laughs> Sorry. I figured that. I knew you'd been busy. Yeah. No problem. Robbie, what about you? Do you need a pass this week? Yes. Are there more other passes able to go out? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you have only a pass. one pass per episode. <laughs> yep. I'll let you guys take a pass this week, and I will talk to you guys about the documentary that I have watched. Um, and this documentary is called Pepsi, Where's My Jet? All right. So this yes uh, yes 
Oh, have you watched it? No, but I love the Harrier jet story. It's so great. Yeah, it's great. So it's really interesting. I um I read a couple of reviews on it, and um I did kind of feel the same way. Let me just give you a little bit of a summary. Um, when a young man attempts to win a fighter jet in a Pepsi sweepstakes, he sets the stage for a David versus Goliath court battle for the history books. Um, this uh documentary basically involves yeah. a, a young guy named John Leonard, um, a crazy entrepreneur named Todd Hoffman. Uh, Cindy Crawford makes an appearance in this movie, as huh. does, believe it or not, Michael Avenatti. So uh, that's a crazy connection, and it <laughs> is super interesting. Um, I don't know that the critics loved this movie. Um, and in some ways, it did not end up like I expected it to end. I did think that um, because it was a documentary, it would have a little bit of a different ending. Um, and there was something slightly, um, you know, unsatisfying to me in that ending. I'm not going to give it away. However, I enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the film because it is a real event that happened. I had no idea about it. It was super interesting. Um, I met some interesting people as I watched this. Um, and I did learn one critical error error that John Leonard make that I hope people will learn from if they're going to go to battle with a big corporation. I think he made one critical error in his uh, process with them. So uh, I would recommend it's a short, it's not a documentary film, but it is a short little mini series. I think there are four episodes and you can find it on Netflix. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an average tomato meter of 100% and the audience score is 75%. So it's not doing too bad there. Um, yeah, so that's my film for today. And I will say now that I'm on the topic of Rotten Tomatoes, I went there to check The Girl Who Wore Freedom and it shows up there. But there are no reviews. There's nothing on there. So if you're listening to this, uh, I would love it if you would go and review us um, or vote for us on Rotten Tomatoes. Hopefully uh, we'll end up with a better score than zero percent. And I, I do. We've already touched on this documentary before in the past. I did. Somebody else did. But I will recommend it again. Uh, Light and Magic. Um, it is the story of how industrial light and magic and not just, you know, created the first few episodes are focused on Star Wars and how the special effects for that all came together. Um, and the last, you know, the last few episodes are about Jurassic Park, about Terminator, about um, I mean, it is it, it's just a beautiful underdog story of um, and I, I only I'm, I'm remembering this now because I just did a piece for um, about how Star Wars should have never been made. Uh, for the radio show I work for. Um, and I mean, there's so many things that Lucas ran into making Star Wars that like, it just like, there's no reason why it should have been the success it was. I mean, it was released in 32 theaters, which is like a joke. Um, but Light and Magic is the great other side of that, how they created a special effects industry. I mean, it was dying um, when Star Wars was being made and, and Lucas revitalized the special effects industry. Um, so light and magic highly recommend it it's it's just it's a uh, on disney plus it's a series and it's just oh it's so good it's it's you know pardon the pun it's magical (laughs) 
Awesome. Well, you didn't pass after all. So thank you for that. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's it. The um, if, Unless you guys have anything else you want to share. Nope. I think that's it. All right. Well, yeah. all right. Well, uh, thank you guys for being here. Robbie, we say bid you a fond farewell. Godspeed to you. Um, Adieu. And we'll see you again soon. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you for listening, donating, and following along on our journey. We are supported by generous donations from people just like you. To make a donation, visit thegirlwhowarefreedom.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash documentaryfirst. To learn more about our other works in progress, visit documentaryfirst.com or follow Documentary First on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. This podcast was produced by Documentary First, edited and mixed by Jason Hoban, with music by Jeff Kurtenacker.